Welcome to the journey, where we are going to talk about a lifestyle with dogs and throw in a few life lessons along the way. Whether you're a hound hunter, a bird dog enthusiast running setters, pointers, retrievers, or a flat out running dog junkie, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Heath Hyatt, a certified law enforcement canine trainer with over three decades of personal and professional training and handling experience. It's time for me to pay it forward. So grab your leads, lace up those boots, and come and join me on this lifelong process of teaching, training, and learning called The Journey. Do you like to be outdoors like I do? Hunting, fishing, hiking? If so, Onyx is the app for you. I've been a loyal Onyx user since 2013. It's the one app I can honestly say I use daily. While hunting, I know where I'm at at all times. I mark trails, feeding, bedding areas, and the list goes on. When I'm traveling, I use it to pre-scout all the new places that I'm blessed to hunt. While out west hiking Yellowstone, I knew exactly where every trail went and the difficulty of each one. And here's a secret. I even use it to mark my favorite fishing spots. It's been a game changer at work. I've used it numerous times to get in touch with property owners. I even landed MedFlight one time in the middle of nowhere using the GPS coordinates. Onyx has so many great features and tools, you can literally use it for everything. It is by far the best mapping app on the market. And hey, it's Houndsman XP approved. So get started with Onyx today using HXP20 and know where you stand. Um, in front of the legislation session this go around, uh, there's been a lot of chatter on Facebook, um, one-on-one chats, group meetings about what's going on in the hound world. And I mean, I hate to say it, but like, it's like, here we go again and here we go again and here we go again. You know, it seems like we're constantly fighting battles, putting out fires and no matter what you're what your support or your uh, way of backing um, hound hunting. You know, we all have to get involved. We've spoke about that before. So, uh, like I said, three bills on the table. I know one of them got pushed back for a week. Uh, We're going to talk about that. And, you know, none other than my go-to, which is Sean Clarkston with the American Bear Foundation, I've got him back on to just kind of get us up to date, get us up to speed on what's going on in case you're not keeping up with it through social media or <clears throat> through your hound organizations. Um, I do know that uh, over the last week I've sent several emails um, to the senators. Uh, I mean, I could, I didn't get all of them. I know that I think the, the Virginia Hunting Dog Alliance and then I think the Virginia Bear Hunting Association posted it, reposted it. Um like I said, I, there was 15 that they posted, and I've got I got most of them in between doing stuff at work and everything else. I I, I emailed several several of those. I uh, haven't made any phone calls yet, 
Um, and if you're doing those things, I know it's it's unseen, but it's not unheard. And it's going to take more of us getting involved and getting getting ahead. Uh, I know that they posted several pictures um, on those groups uh, of the turnout on Monday. You know, a lot of us had to work. I couldn't get up there for sure. Uh, it looks like it was a good turnout. I don't know what the numbers were, but I did see a, uh, a lot of orange standing around. And I love it that our lieutenant governor was standing right in the middle of us. Um, I, I I like that. What scares me is that the state and the re- the majority is run by um, people that does do not understand, care about, and I know we're going to get into this, our way of life. Um, and if if we continue to run blue through the both both house the house and the senate, I don't know how we're going to keep putting out these fires. But anyway, Sean, thank you for coming on, spending the evening with me, and get us called up. Well, I'm going to touch on what you just said about continuing to run blue through both House and Senate. Um, The redistricting that just happened in Virginia has moved the um, power within the General Assembly almost entirely to the major metro areas in Northern Virginia and Tidewater. Um, Those of us in rural Virginia... Uh, those of us outside of those major metro areas are just simply outnumbered at this point. There's more seats that are held in those areas than are held outside of them. Um, that just is what it is. That's electoral math. Um, that's redistricting. Uh, redistricting and districting in politics is probably one of the dirtiest sausage-making endeavors that they do. But that's the reality that we face right now. Um, the one major um, office that is not governed by redistricting is that of the governor. And in the last gubernatorial election, rural Virginia, the Valley, Southwest Virginia, Southside Virginia showed up by almost 10 to 15, well, in various areas, 10 to 15 percentage points higher than their average. They showed up, they voted, and we got, a, we, we did not, I won't say what we got, because there are f- folks that don't like them, but what we did not get was we did not get Terry McAuliffe. Yes. <laughs> and alternative be what it may, he ain't Terry McAuliffe, uh, because McAuliffe certainly is no friend of, of hunters or houndsmen or pretty much anybody that uses anything. I don't even think he's probably a friend of somebody using a, a, a steak knife for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, your point is valid. Those of us that live outside of those major metro areas, when it's an election, we need to show up and vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause if we don't, well, there, there's an old action. If you don't vote, don't bitch. Um, and we're going to end up on a short end of stick if he, people don't show up. Now, the folks that showed up in Richmond on Monday, kudos. Fantastic turnout. I could not be there. I was covered up in wall-to-wall meetings for work. Um, but from what I understand, it's about 700, 750 people. Nice. Put that in context, um, I was working in Richmond when we had a massive turnout for a Second Amendment rally. It was the largest one in Virginia history, like 15,000 people. Um, it is almost impossible to get 100, 150 people show up for anything in Virginia. Having 700, 750 hunters show up uh, for a lobby day on a Monday 
is massive, massive. Um, so kudos to you guys uh, for showing up. Kudos to Virginia Hunting Dog Alliance for pulling that together. Um, that's that's power. That that gets attention. Um, kudos for the folks as well, Heath, myself, others that are sending in emails, phone calls, uh, written messages to the legislature because those things matter. Um, where we're at right now, let's just talk about where we're at right now. There are three bills in the General Assembly. Two of them are identical. Um, House Bill 30 and Senate Bill 30 are budget amendment bills. And those budget amendment bills, um, very simply, and I'm just going to talk about what they are first. What they authorize is for the Department of Wildlife Resources to create a free permit that would be required of all persons using a dog to pursue any game or nuisance species in any way. So tracking dog for wounded game, bird dog for, for ducks or quail or whatever on shooting preserves, foxhounds, coonhounds, bear dogs, um, it, squirrel dogs. If you use a dog to hunt or pursue game or nuisance species in Virginia, you would have to obtain that free permit. That's it. That's all it does. Um, now, what comes after that in years to follow is anybody's guess. There's a lot of supposition about it. Um, you know, I have my own theories as to what would likely happen in, in years to come. But what those two provisions would do now is establish a free permit that would be required of anybody using a dog to pursue any game or nuisance species. And that's all. Um, and again, I think that's, is that where it stops in years to come? No, but none of us know what would happen. And I think that's the biggest concern is not knowing what the long-term plan is and and strategy is for that for that permit um so i'm gonna stop there we can talk about that one for for a bit and then we can go to senate bill 712 okay yeah i mean i and you know we know any any human that's got some common sense know that if you look at this thing at face value why why do i need a free permit why i mean what's the purpose of you giving me a free permit we know that there's something coming on the back end. We just, like you said, we don't know what it is. We can speculate all day long, and it's not going to do us any good. Um, I feel like it's going to kind of follow the Maine and Vermont uh, type bills or type um, permits. Um, and I know that you and I talked on another podcast, and people can go back and <coughs> listen to those, so we won't go into it, but. Yeah, it makes no sense, but we know that it may be free this year, and next year you're going to have to pay for it, or the year after, or the year after. We know, anybody with any sense knows that's coming. And like you said, why, <clears throat> if you're going to introduce a bill this way, why not just go ahead and put in place why you're doing it? What What's your purpose? Um, and, yeah, so the unknown, for sure. You know, I think... I'm just going to talk about a couple of things that they could do with a free permit, mm -hmm. not what would come later if if they if it was charged for or anything else. Um, a free permit. 
that would give them very easy accounting for how many people in the Commonwealth of Virginia use dogs to pursue game. Now, let me ask you a question real quick, and I know you just said it. This counts all, all dogs that pursue, is this bird dogs? Rabbit? Any game, okay. right. I will pull it up. Uh, any game or nuisance species. So It's not just, we're not being... We're not being singled out and saying, no, you no. hound guys have to have no. it. Okay. No, no. So if you run coyote, you run fox, you run coon, you run uh, bear, deer, rabbit, squirrel, uh, you chase birds, you use deer, you use dog to recover wounded game. Yep, okay. If you use a dog in any form or fashion to pursue any game or nuisance species, you would be required to get this free permit. Um, so I think that would very quickly give them accounting as to how many people use dogs in any way, which is a number that's always been guessed at is they don't know. And, and I think a free permit would allow them to do that. I'm not advocating for it. I'm mm -hmm. just talking about what they could do with a free permit. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Um, I would guarantee you that there would be surveys sent out to people that that got that permit asking, what game did you pursue? Um, you know, we see it with, with uh, waterfowl permits. Mm -hmm. Did you go after brant? Did you hunt Canadian geese? Did you, did you duck hunt? Did you go for sea ducks? Did you, all these different things. So I guarantee you they'd do that. So then they could start getting a breakdown of, well, how many... How many people use dogs to hunt deer? How many people use dogs to hunt squirrel? How many people use dogs to hunt raccoons? So they could do that. Um, I have had a question asked to me of, well, how could they enforce it if I didn't get it? And that's a very easy one. It's on the back end because he, you and I, when we take a bear or, or pretty much or, or deer as well, uh, one of the questions on the check-in is, did you use dogs, right? Yep. Okay. So if I checked yes to that, but I did not have the permit, you can guarantee you that's going to raise an internal little software red flag and the CPO is going to call and ask, you know, how the hunt go and all the rest of that. And I, there, there is no other enforcement opportunity at that point, basically for the first year or two or for however long they left it like that. All they would be able to do is say, well, Mr. Clarkson, you know, did you know that you didn't have that permit? Because it's free and you need to get it. So please make sure you sign up for it next year. This is just a warning, just a courtesy call, that type of thing. Um, so that's what would happen with a free permit now. Later. I have no idea. Um, I would pretty much guarantee you that it wouldn't always be free. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what else would come from it. And and that's, I think, a very legitimate fear and concern. And speaking of dogs, I've got one right now that is being extremely needy. Um, and if I don't pay attention to him, he's probably going to find something to get into that I don't want him to. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the fear is, and, and the, the concern is what comes next. And as you said, you know, lay out the whole program and tell us what, what you really want mm -hmm. so that there's not this guesswork and this concern. And what, what does it look like? Is it, a, is it a Georgia plan? Is it a Vermont plan? Is it a, 
Is it a main plan? Is it is it something completely new? Well, no one knows. And I think that's the legitimate concern around it. Yeah. Well, like I said, we all know that free is not free. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. It's just that free is not free. And I'm like you. I'm not, I'm not advocating forward or against it. I'm more so against it, I will say. Um, but if it helped get some things that we needed, then I could change my position. But um, I, I don't like the aspect that we know that something's coming behind it and nobody's they're not saying it. That's that's the thing, I guess, that that bothers me the most about it is, okay, it's free this year, maybe next year, but there's something coming behind it. Just tell us, tell us what it is. Yeah. It's like, okay, what's the catch? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What, what's, what's the catch? I mean, we're not stupid. <clears throat> um, so, I mean, that's where we are with, with Senate bill 30 and HB 30. Um, they're identical. Um, the, the trick is that if either one of those survives, so if, um, if HB 30 is pulled away, and it's killed in the house, but Senate bill 30 goes forward and passes the Senate. Then everything goes to a compromise committee where Senate bill 30s provision might go all the way through and might go back to the house for a full vote. So just because one of those might get shot down in whatever chamber doesn't mean we're done. If you want this done, if you want it to go away, both, HB 30 and SB 30 both have to go away. One survives is just as bad as both of them surviving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess, and maybe I'm going to get off topic, but I don't, that's not where I'm headed. It, it behooves me that the person that's pushing these bills does not have any dog hunting in their area. Well, you know, I, people champion bills all the time for various and sundry things, whether their district or their their area is or isn't a hotbed of it. Um, I don't know Marsden. I don't know, you know, I don't know the people individually. Um, I know of them, but, you know... I think we need to like get away from the, Oh, well they don't have this in their district. Yeah. But you know, they got a ton of people in that district and frankly, they're elected yes to represent their district, but they're also represented to elect all or represent all of us. Um, so just because my Senator didn't introduce something, they might sit on a committee and I'm certainly going to contact them and say, you need to vote against this. And I'm also going to contact every other senator on that committee mm -hmm. and ask them to do that as well. Not because, and, and I think we need to understand that and not go to the, well, they don't have this in their district or why is this person introducing that? Maybe it's a passion point for them. Well, we all have that. I mean, those of us that are second amendment uh, supporters certainly like a couple of senators and representatives that are, that are in the, Virginia General Assembly, and we support them no matter whether they're our senator or our delegate, um, and rightfully so, because they represent our interest. So, you know, just because Marsden's district isn't 
a hotbed of, of hunting or hound hunting, you know, okay, so what? Um, concentrate on the actual issue and, and don't get into the identity politics of it. I think we're, we're all better served by that because we can, we can be better people than that. Um, we, we see that with the, you know, with the anti hunters and the anti you know, second amendment crowd of, well, they don't know what it's like to live here. No, but they know what it's like to live where they are and they're representing the people that they want to represent and they're dealing with that. So let's just concentrate on the issue because I think the other thing that we don't want to do is make enemies of senators and delegates unnecessarily by attacking them personally or attacking, well, why are you even talking about this? Well, let, instead of saying, why are you talking about it? Educate them on it and say, hey, let me let me talk to you about this. Here's my concern with this. Like Senate Bill 712, for example, which has also been introduced by Senator Marston. Um, I think it's just poorly written. It's just, it's just very poorly written. Um, and looking at it in a positive light, I can see an intent that is justifiable. Not getting into the danger of opening up a, a, a statute, which is absolutely legitimate. I'm just saying taken for face value and looking at it the most positive way possible, what was the intent they were trying to do? The intent behind the bill, from what I read, and, and again, taking it with a grain of salt, is that they were trying the bill was intended to try to stop people who don't have permission to hunt an area from simply stopping in the middle of the road and dumping dogs to hunt areas that they don't have permission to hunt. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't think anybody can mm -hmm. defend that because that's just that's just wrong. It's just unethical. Um, the problem is the way that it's written is just a mess. And it also opens up a statute which does to some degree lead to the risk of that statute being open or that that bill being open to amendment now a bill sponsor always has the control over that bill so the the idea of oh well sean introduced a bill but heath can heath can amend it and make it say whatever he wants that's not entirely accurate um the bill sponsor has to agree to a friendly amendment or it has to receive a majority vote within the committee or uh, on the floor to amend it. But the bill sponsor can still pull it if they don't like what it says. So if I introduced a bill that said Sundays are going to be completely open to hunting in all forms, shapes, and fashions, hounds included. So complete repeal of the Sunday hunting bill or the Sunday hunting prohibition. And you decide to take it and turn it around and say, Sunday's going to be closed to all hunting. That's my bill originally. I can pull it because I don't like what you did with it. Mm -hmm. Even if you got a majority vote, I can pull it. So the idea that it's completely out of control once it's in there is, is not entirely accurate. Right. <clears throat> well, let's, since you brought it up, let's talk about the, the SB it's 712 and some of the language that opens up that, it's, it makes it poorly written, which I, I've read it, and I'm actually reading through it right now. So what's your thoughts on that? All right. Well, so there are there are two – I mean, dog is driving me up a tree. Um, there are two provisions to the Virginia Senate Bill 712, um, and I am also pulling it up right now, um, if I can. Oh, wait, wrong browser. Um, so there, the second part of the bill – 
that amends 46.2-889, um, correct? Yeah. Okay. That's actually a good thing for us uh, because what that part would do if it passed, and that was the only part of it that passed, would give us the ability, the legal right to pull off on the side of the road close to or parallel to the edge of the right-of-way or curb to retrieve a companion animal from the highway or area adjacent to the highway. So right now it's illegal to stop except close to or parallel to the right edge of the road or right-of-way. Um, you can't do that. You know that very well. You know you're 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 parked on the right of way. You're impeding the flow of traffic. The amendment to that says that nothing in this section shall prevent the retrieval of a companion animal, under which hunting dogs apply, from a highway or area adjacent to a highway. That's a good thing for us. If if that went through, that would be good. The problems with the bill, it one it opens up. 18.2, 132.1. I'll get to that, what happens when you open it up completely. Um, but the second section that it would insert reads, B, any, personally, any person who intentionally releases hunting dogs on Department of Transportation right-of-way or highway owned or maintained by the Department of Transportation to hunt deer without the consent of the department is guilty of a Class Three misdemeanor. A second violation of this subsection is a Class Two. a third or subsequent is a class one. The fact that hunting dogs are present on such a right-of-way or highway alone is not sufficient to prove that the person acted intentionally. All right, well, so the first problem with it is it only says to hunt deer. Hmm. So from a law enforcement perspective, Heath, you pull up, you see me stopped in the middle of the road, dropping the tailgate and letting the dogs out. Better be chasing deer. What's that? I said you better be chasing deer. <laughs> Oh, I can chase anything but deer. But deer, but deer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, yeah. deer hunting, Sean? Nope, I'm coyote hunting. Yeah, <laughs> which opens up a whole other thing. But, <laughs> so, so, so I, I, yeah, I want to say a, this. Like, we should not even be having this conversation. If you've got somebody that you hunt with or your party is hunting with and they're pulling up in the middle of private property with not, without permission and dumping dogs – we should be policing them ourselves. Hey, don't do that. Because, Correct. Then it, you know, it's like the one bad apple in the bushel spoils the bushel. Like now, we're, you know, and now we're all paying for it. Correct. Like, well, see, that's you just brought up another problem with this bill. So it says any road or right-of-way, right-of-way or right. highway owned and maintained. Yes. With no exception. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a department-maintained road or right-of-way that goes through the national forest mm -hmm. or goes through a state forest, many of us that hunt the mountains, and I can think of a lot of spots, and Heath down in your part of the world too, yep. that the only spot to stop at all to retrieve a dog or to do anything else is the road or right-of-way. Everything else is straight up or straight down. National forest doesn't matter. You, If that bill passed, you would not be allowed to do that. So that's a problem. Um, it also doesn't matter whether or not that private property that's adjacent, that I have permission or not. 
it would make that stopping to release dogs at that point, which might be the only good spot to do so, to either pack on and stop a chase, to relieve a dog. Maybe that's where the, the, the orchard owner or the property owner or whatever said, hey, the best spot to release is right there on that creek and that, you know, go ahead and do it there. I can't do it even if I have permission. Right. So that's a problem with that bill. Um, the other problem with it, Heath, from a law enforcement per, uh, perspective, is that in subsection A, you have one uh, level and, and, and uh, structure of penalties that has a three-year window. And in that subsection B, it's ever, and it's a different penalty classification. So you have different degrees of punishment for the same action within the same section. That that just that doesn't make sense. There should be, you know, it should be made equal. So that that whole that whole part of this bill is just really poorly written. Uh, even if they had the best intent in the world to 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 be able to go after those bad apples that give us all a bad name. The way that it's written is just a mess and doesn't accomplish that goal. Um, now, getting to the danger of opening up a statute at all. Now, as I said, the bill sponsor always has control over it. But what if they agree with the, the amendment? What if the amendment that is put forward does remove the word intentionally and doesn't insert anything else? At that point, what we have, and you know this as well as anyone, we have what's called a strict liability statute. Doesn't matter how the dog got there, you're now guilty. And that's not something we want, and it's not something that we're going to go for. So there is a danger in opening up that statute at all because of a potential amendment that way. But you know, regardless of whether that's an issue, the bill itself is so poorly written that it shouldn't pass. Yeah, I'm just sitting here reading it. So if you take, here's how it re reads. Any person who intentionally releases a dog, hunting dog on the lands of another, you take intentionally out any person who releases. So there's no room for the CO to make a decision. It's, you got it. Well, yes and no. It will still have to be released on. Right, on, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, any person who releases on the property of another which had been posted without the consent would then be absolutely guilty of a misdemeanor mm -hmm. well that's that's a problem but again there's there's as you and i have discussed that statute before there's a lot of things you would have to prove mm -hmm. removing intent is just one of those things mm -hmm. um you know the posted property thing is is still just a mess uh, the fact though is that this year we only have three bills that we have to worry about there have been years where we've had 30. Um, so it makes the lift a little bit easier. We're not, it's not like whack-a-mole in the General Assembly this year, which has happened before. Mm -hmm. um, 712's just poorly written, and there is a danger of, of opening up that statute. For both of those reasons, it, it ought to be shot down as it is. Um, the budget bills are identical, but both of them have to go in order to avoid the permit if that's what people want and the, from what i'm hearing and i'm passing this along from what i'm hearing the overwhelming majority of comments sent in by email phone call and otherwise to the general assembly on hb 30 and senate 
30 are opposed to it in all forms and fashion. So they're not getting any positive traction on it, at least from what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, again, that's a good thing, but what happens, you know, and you know, I've talked about this, you're, what happens this year is going to lead to something else next year. Um, I, I guess that's the back end of it is, I guess in my mind, we're in a fight right now. That's, that's going to be, um, it, uh, use some words from Sun Tzu, the art of war. Like this is not going to be, uh, just one and done. This is something we're going to be fighting for a while. And, I think we have to pick our battles smart. Yeah, I, I think that's my concern, um, is that long-term, I think we're going to win this year. I, I don't see 712 moving forward. I don't see HB30 moving forward. I don't see Senate uh, SB30 moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to win, and that's great. Um my concern is, though, we just talked about the redistricting mm -hmm. and, and where all the political power in the state shifted. And those folks don't know us. Now, whether or not they like us, whether or not they would support us, whether or not we can educate them, whether or not that they can be uh, you know, brought over to at least understand us is one thing and we've got to do a much better job on that we do a terrible 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 job of that mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and i will thank uh, my my chapter vice president jared hubbard uh and others uh for doing a tremendous job of trying to change the opinion within the department of wildlife resources and their board about houndsmen and about hound hunters uh especially bear hunters and I will, you know, there, we need to do a much better job of that. We've got to, we've got to get through these folks to, to educate them. We can't just say we don't understand them. We're not going to talk to them mm -hmm. because the political power in Virginia shifted to the population centers and it's not shifting back. It's, you know, unless the population centers shift to like Danville and Roanoke, <laughs> we're not going to see the political shifts back. Um, the problem then comes in what happens if we get a Terry McAuliffe or worse, you know, um, and we could very easily get worse when that happens. And I say when, because it's going to, we've all seen Virginia go from deep red to deep blue and back and forth, you know, within two decades. Um, when we get, the next Tim Kaine, when we get the next Terry McAuliffe and the legislature is majority Democrat, there's, or super majority Democrat, even worse. If we haven't done our job to educate those folks, we're done because at that point they don't have any reason to listen to us at all. We can show up with 15,000 people but their districts aren't represented and they're not going to listen if they, if we haven't done our jobs uh, and that's my fear. And it's, and I've had this discussion with some folks I know in Richmond. Um, it's not even the malicious bill that they're most worried about. 
You know, it's not the bill that, that somebody's an a rabid anti-hunter puts in um, because this is just their thing. It's a bill that comes up when somebody's just com- concentrating on something else, you know, a budget amendment that would remove the uh, right to be able to use dogs to hunt anything mm-hmm. or something along the lines of amending uh, an animal cruelty statute or something like that, where it's just an afterthought bill that slides through mm-hmm. because they're not, they don't care. They're not listening to us. They're not paying attention to that. They're paying attention to something else. And that one's the one that catches us. Um, from a bear hunter's perspective, you know, we can't manage bear in the state of Virginia without the use of dogs. We just can't. And, and it's vital. And we're getting that message through to DWR, but we got to get that message through the general assembly because if they don't understand that, then we're in a bad spot when bad things come up on the horizon. You know, it's funny you, you talk about management because I just read an article by the Metro News, um, and it come out of Beckley with uh, Governor Jim Justice. So we're talking about West Virginia real quick. And I, I'm a, I'm astounded. Like, I'm, I'm kind of in shock. Uh, if you guys from West Virginia are listening, you know, I, I'd like to know. So he just, he just, um, announced that the um, he was praising the West Virginia DNR and announced today that black bear harvest in West Virginia dramatically increased in 2023. And he said, I could not be more proud <clears throat> because this is the future proof that the w- West Virginia is a hot spot for bear hunters, Governor Jim Justice said. And then he talks about that. And I'll go down here to the numbers. During the 2023 archery and firearm season, for black bear, West Virginia hunters harvested 2,830 bear. Um, which was 64% increase over the 1727 harvested last year in 22. I like, I'm, I'm shocked because their weight limit is 50 pounds. And I've seen numerous bear that, you know, were, was in that, that weight limit, um, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm in shock. Like I really am. I'm like, well, how do, how does that happen? My, maybe my thought process and my theories are all jacked up. I, I think you know, this is some this is some digging into harvest data that that I've done with some other uh, friends of mine um, on counties where dogs aren't permitted right now. Although in the stakeholder advisory committee, the Virginia chapter of the American bear foundation did get overwhelming support from the constituents there to, to open those counties to using dogs. Um, but in those counties, the only way that you harvest bear, if you can't use dogs, cause we're, we're not permitted to bait is based upon happenstance or ambush, which is all food driven. Mm-hmm. So, Last year, not this past season, but the 2022-2023 season, in those counties, the acorns were so heavy that it was like walking on ball bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bear didn't have to move. So the pop, the, the harvest rate dropped like a stone. It went from like, in one of the counties went from like 40-something bear to eight. Uh, just because the bear didn't have to move. <clears throat> this year, the harvest rates back up because the bear had to move. They didn't have that kind of a mass crop, so they had to move. And I think that's part of the cyclical nature of what we see in some areas like that. We've seen it in Virginia. Um, and I think I think that was part of the reason that the harvest dropped so bad in Virginia in the 2022-2023 season, leaving aside the, the counties that are just absolutely devastated by mange. 
because um, that we know what's going on there. But in the other areas of the state where the populate where the, the harvest rate dropped, it's because the bear didn't have to move. There was food everywhere. I mean, you know, if you got the refrigerator right next to you in the bedroom, why are you going to get up and walk across the house to go to the fridge? Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Um, and the bear were doing the same thing. This year, we're seeing a bounce back as far as harvest rates because we don't have the same food on the landscape. The bear have to move more. Um, so I think there's some of that that plays into it. Um, you know, you bring up management, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open a can of worms on this one. <laughs> um, North American model of wildlife conservation is dependent upon hunter input and the wise management of game to maximize populations and then to balance them out, right? Mm-hmm. So let's use a duck um, example. And I don't know anything about duck hunting because I've never pulled a trigger on a waterfowl in my life. But I do know that I have seen in years where the duck populations have dropped, the harvest rates have dropped, and they're worried about the duck populations, that they've cut back the number of days that you can shoot ducks. Makes sense, right? If you want the population to rebound, you kill less of them, right? Well, in the northern part of the Shenandoah Valley, you talk to anybody that hunts up there, we ain't got no bear up there anymore. They're gone. Uh, or essentially gone. And I think the harvest data proves that. So as an organization that represents all bear hunters, those that use bows, those that use muzzleloaders and rifles, those that use dogs, I got to look at it and go, why do we still have a full-length kill season in those counties? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying let's roll it back. Because the other thing that we're pushing for, and we got overwhelming support for in that stakeholder advisory committee, is to expand, lengthen and expand statewide chase season, which is what bear hunters have been asking for for decades. Well, we got support for it. We're trying to work that through the department at this point. So most bear hunters that use dogs, especially in that part of the state, wouldn't take a bear at all right now if they could even find one. They won't be able to chase as much as they can. And I get that. Dog's got to get out. Got if Dog's not chasing. He's not getting any better. He's just getting rusty. Um, then it's where you get bad habits and all the rest of the things that happen. But we really need to ask DWR why they're not doing something to help recover that population in that area. You know, first thing you do to recover a population that's that's been devastated is you take away the mortality risk. I think that also would apply to damage permits. You know, uh, how many damage permits is DWR still issuing in those areas where we have a very, very poor bear population now? I mean, those are questions we need to be asking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because as hunters, our first priority ought not be on our favorite way to hunt. You know, you might be a bow hunter or you might be a rifle hunter. You might be a hound. Our first priority is hunter ought to be on the game because if we don't have bear, if bear's your thing, or if you don't have raccoons, if raccoons your thing or squirrels or turkeys or whatever else, if you don't have that thing, you don't have that animal to hunt, you're not hunting because it's not there to hunt. I mean, I, my great, my grandfather grew up being an upland bird hunter. 
I have his double barrel 12 gauge was his, it was his pheasant and, and dove or a pheasant and quail gun. They're gone. I, I mean, I've seen one wild cubby of quail in 10 years. So you, you don't have people that quail hunt like that anymore because there's no quail. If we lose bear in the northern part of the Shenandoah Valley, you can't bear hunt there because there's no bear. So why aren't we doing something to help recover that population? And that's, I think those are hard questions we've got to ask DWR. It's hard questions we got to ask ourselves too. Like, what do we want? Well, and the reason I brought that up is one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and it goes back to the mange, but we're going back to West Virginia, is do you, and I don't know this, and I don't know how many people that live in the northern part of the, the, the state and borders West Virginia, like, do you think some of those numbers West Virginia got was because Virginia hunters were going over because they don't have a population here? I think that had to Absolutely. play some part into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime you increase hunting pressure, you're going to increase the likelihood of killing critters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. If you got 20 hunters in the county and you go from 20 hunters to 60 hunters in the county, odds are you're going to kill a bunch more critters. Um, and I think that's a really good point. I think you do have, we know that we've got a lot of folks in Virginia that go hunt the other Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you live in Frederick County, yep. Warren County, and where we used to have a bunch of bear and we don't have any now, well, it's a pretty close, pretty quick drive to duck over into West Virginia and go hunt where they do still have some bear. I think that's also a question we need to ask is, wait a minute, why is the mange so bad in these counties in Virginia? Why is the population in these counties in Virginia gone? And you go 50 miles into West Virginia and they don't seem to have the same problem. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think, you know, the increase in hunting pressure in those areas from hunters in Virginia leaving to go hunt West Virginia because that's where they got bears is a very accurate point. I think that's going to, I think we'll see that when they release their, their, um, license sales for the year. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm curious to follow it up next year to see how, how those numbers, um, fluctuate. Do they go up? Do they stay there? Do they go down? That's, that's going to be interesting. So I'm going to keep up with that. Well, I think it's also where, you know, just like in Virginia this year. Okay. So we're back up to almost 2,900 bears taken in Virginia this year. All right. Well, that's statewide. Virginia is a big old state. Um, where are those bears being taken in Virginia? Where are those bears being taken in West Virginia? Are there areas where, like in the Shenandoah Valley, northern part of the Shenandoah Valley, where the population, their harvest rates have dropped 85, 90, 95%? Mm-hmm. Are there areas in Virginia where we're continuing to see 20, 30, 40, 50% increases in harvest rates in those areas? I will tell you, um, I got the attention of the the um, vice chair of the DWR board. Uh, he's a good man. I like him quite a bit. His name's John Cooper. Um, John's bright. He's a hunter. He's a good fellow. Um, I got his attention when we were discussing harvest rates in Virginia on bear. And I asked him, I said, you know, we've got counties where bears were this number and they're down to this number. I said, let me ask you a question. If the harvest rates for deer dropped by 85% in Suffolk County and Smithfield and Isle of Wight, would you pay attention? 
I said, and where would the Virginia Deer Hunters Association be? And rightfully so, they'd be sitting on this table right now in this room, getting your attention. He's like, that's a great point. I said, yeah, our biggest bear counties have seen drops of 85 and 90%. When are y'all going to pay attention to that? And his answer back to me was right now. So, and if John tells me he's going to do something, he'll do it. Well, so the first step in getting it back, I mean, you know, look at, you know, North Carolina did the same thing, you know, they shut the season down and, you know, yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> well, well, and so, so one of the other things, since I brought the board up, I'm sorry, but I meant to bring this up earlier. Um, been a lot of fuss made about what the board chair said and didn't say. Um, Tom Sadler is the DWR board chair. I've known Tom for over a decade. Tom is a no BS guy. He'll tell you exactly what he thinks, exactly what he's planning to do where and where you stand. Tom is not a hunter. He'll flat out tell you he's not a hunter. He's a fisheries guy. Fisheries are his passion. It's his thing. And that's legitimate for him to be on the board because of that. And he's a great advocate for that. I think he's probably one of the most neutral people we could possibly have as board chair on hunting issues like dogs and private property rights, because he, pardon the pun, he doesn't have a dog in the fight on either side. Um, when Tom said we are going to do something, we can expect that they're going to do something. The department um, employees, the apartment staff, and the, and the board itself have said that they believe that they have the authority under existing statute to make regulatory changes and that they're going to. They just don't know what those are yet. So we can expect, and I think we should expect, to see some regulatory changes for the next season coming up. Um, I would, I'll bet, Heath, I will bet you lunch that we see a regulatory requirement for electronic tracking collars on all hunting dogs for next season. I'll bet you lunch on that one. Um, I don't know what else we're going to see, but I will guarantee you we see several regulatory changes because the board is just really tired of hearing all the fighting from both sides and they're, they're going to try to do what they can. Um, for good or for bad, that's just where we are. Now, just so that we're clear, when you're saying regulatory changes, that's going to be in the administrative code, which is 29.1 or 29.2, whichever uh, yep, it is. 29.1, yep. yeah, yep. not the 18.2, which is the criminal code. So no, there's two no. different code sections for people to understand that, and most of your administrative codes are going to be class three and class fours. Um, not necessarily. They can put, a min, you know, they can do whatever, but, um, and, you know, when you talk about tracking collars, real quick before we, we wrap this up, I don't know how you hunt without it. And not because not because of any other reason than my dog is of value to me. Not only is it a family member and a companion, like that dog holds value with me and a lot of value on some people's dogs. How do you not have a tracking collar on the dog? And I see the fox hunters all the time. I see them, you know, they unload the the, the horse trailer and they have 20 dogs run out and they don't even have collars on. I, I, I understand that's their way of doing things. But for me, like, I can't hunt without it. 
Well, and I think that that's that's accurate. That's extremely accurate. I don't know how you do it either, uh, or I don't know how why you should do it. Let me rephrase it that way. Um, but I will tell you that if I do hear of the regulation coming up in that way, I and, and if the department is pushing that as a regulation, they're going to push it through mm -hmm. because they'll put it out for public comment. But just because we comment on it doesn't mean they have to listen to the comments. They can do what they choose. Yeah. Um, I will make do everything I can to make sure that if it goes down that road, that it reads electronic tracking collars and not GPS or something else. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of guys that still use the old telemetry beat boxes and they work great. But if it reads GPS, that ain't going to be permitted. If it reads electronic, it would be permitted. And who are we to know that, you know, Elon Musk or somebody else ain't going to invent something better than GPS in mm -hmm. six months. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for those of us that want to get our dogs back, we want to use the best thing we've got. Um, but I think, like I said, I'll bet you lunch we see that one. I just don't know what else we're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I am I think most, and I, I don't know who, I guess maybe the deer hunters and the fox hunters, maybe that affects them more so than us because I don't know, I don't know a, a hound, a bear hunter or coon hunter around here that does not run a call or two, just like you said, you know, we all know that the GPSs have failures and we know the satellites, the callers jack up sometimes. And I even think you commented on a um, uh, post here where they had the, the dog truck, the, the in-yard fence and it didn't work. The dog got through it and got end up getting hit. Uh, terrible. But we all know that the GPSs fail a lot of us run GPSs and the telemetry on it, so that that would be good to make sure that that's definitely in the language. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I think this is just, you know, I I know that the Virginia Hunting Dog Alliance is putting out a lot of stuff on social media, and we're not really sharing it on our on our chapter page because I don't think we have to. Um, it pretty much anybody that follows our page is already following them. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing a great job pushing that stuff out. Um, I'm trying to make sure that we, we push things out through a different channel, such as a podcast with you and trying to make sure that what we put out there is just level-headed, fair. I'm not saying what they don't put out is not that, but I'm just trying to say what we're doing is we're trying to put it out there and just say, Hey, here's fact of the matter. Exactly what it is. Here's what it says. Here's what it would mean if it went in just like this. Here's the problem with it you know, for that, that bit said it built seven twelve. here's actually a good part of it. Um, and just push that information out there because as you and I both know, there's so much misinformation on social media. Um, you know, I've seen posts recently where somebody said, Oh my God, the per the permit didn't pass. It's $20 this year. Yeah. Like, really? It hadn't even gone been to a, a committee yeah, yet. I seen that. Yeah. Um, you know, Senate bill, uh, well, house bill 30, uh, and Senate Bill 30 were not taken up this week. Um, SB 712 was passed over this week. And what that means is that it has not been moved to a committee. It has not been heard in the committee and it has not been acted on. So there is a timeline. There is a date uh, by which all bills have to be heard, voted on and approved in their chamber to cross over to the other uh, chamber and that's called crossover. And I believe crossover is February 13th this year. If they don't cross over by February 13th, they're dead. They're dead for the year. Um, 
So even if it passes in a committee, if it's not heard on the floor of that chamber, the Senate or the House, and voted on to be passed over to the other chamber by, by crossover date, it's dead for the year. So it's not like these things live on forever. They're not little zombies. Um, there's a short time window. So keep the pressure on now. Um, and the deadlines, you know, the, 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 the finish line on these things is within about, well, within less than a month at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I'll leave you with my two cents and I'll let you finish her up, but guys, you, you got to get involved. You've got to send emails, make phone calls, be polite and professional period. Um, threatening people and you know, you, you're not going to take this. You're not going to take that. That's not how we're going to, that's not how we're going to win this battle. Um, like I said, I always believe plight and professional. Join your organizations, you know, American Bear Foundation, Virginia Hunting Dog Alliance, the Virginia Bear Hunter Association. You join your organizations and you get involved um, because it's going to take it's going to take a lot of us as we go through this because this is just the beginning. Not not to fear anybody. Not 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 saying that, but you know, been in this thirty years, I can't tell you how many times we've fought the right to retrieve bill. I mean, I remember being in numerous meetings at the community colleges way back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, 2000. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I remember taking Abbott buses to Richmond, you know, to fight that. So, like I said, this is stuff that we've got to stay involved. We've got to get our buddies involved, get our groups involved, and be polite and professional. So that's my thought. Sean, wrap it up. Can't say it any better. You hit it. <laughs> All right, and, you know, to go back real quick, this is why we started doing the podcast with you and I was nothing more, nothing less, but to inform people, to make sure the right information was getting, getting there. And then people can make their own educated decision on how they feel, what they want to do or where we need to go. Um, so I appreciate you because you get to go to these meetings and you, you're more involved in a lot of aspects than I, than I get to be involved at this point right now. Once I retire, i probably going to get both feet in and, and do a lot more but right now i want to get the information to you guys the listeners i i am involved in emailing and calling and talking to people uh, I, I i'm members of organ multiple organizations so that's where i stand um we all need to get on on the same page and push it in the right direction amen all right Sean, I really appreciate your time. So thank you. Let's do it again in a while uh, and hopefully talk about something that ain't politics. Yes. Well, yeah. We may have to round this one up. We'll see where it goes for sure. All right. Take care.